Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith and thank you for listening. David is not here. He is out of town, but we did not want to leave you guys without an episode, uh, especially so soon after the donation drive. We did not want everyone to be like, here's some money. We're like, that's great. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys later. Uh, we didn't want that. Uh, so we, uh, we will be doing an, I will be doing an episode. I have a guest here who I'll get to in a second. Um, First things first, though, I mentioned that donation drive earlier. I've got some good news for you guys. We've got winners. That's a weird way to phrase that. Uh, Okay. So, there are three prize packages, and you can find this on the website as well. Uh, We'll leave it up for a couple weeks. So, the winner of the first prize package, the contents of which you can look up. I'm not going to read them. Is Scott Moling. Congratulations, Scott. I'm very happy for you. Winner of prize package number two is Paul Mikesell. I don't know if that's how you say your last name, but that's how it looks to me. So congratulations on prize package number two. Prize package number three, the winner is Thomas Daniel. Congratulations, Thomas. You're my favorite. But here's the thing. Prize package number four, which basically consisted, consists of an in-studio appearance with a guest of your choice, or the only guest of your choice that wants to do it, uh... That is Justin Montgomery. So, Justin, thank you very much for your uh, generosity and for everybody's generosity. We really do appreciate it. Um, Your donations uh, are going to be able to keep the show going uh, for the next year and allow us to to do some some other things. So, uh, we really do appreciate it. Now, I mentioned earlier, you may recall, uh, that we have a guest. By which I mean I, because David's not here, as I mentioned. I have a guest. He's been on the show before. He writes for the pod uh, for the website. He has his own podcast in the fleet, Battleship Retention Podcasting Fleet. It's called Kyle. It, I'm sorry. It's called. It's called. Excuse me. His name is what the fuck are you watching? No, I did it again. <laughs> oh, what have you done? Um, it's Kyle Anderson. Everybody, how you doing, Kyle? Hey, good, Tyler. Good All to be right. here. So yes, I, so I mentioned uh, your podcast. What the fuck are you watching? Mm-hmm. You guys just celebrated how many episodes? We 50. We're on 52 now. 52. So you've been going about a year, it sounds like. Yep. This this week, in fact, is our one-year anniversary. There you go. Um, Which is the paper anniversary, is it not? Yeah, I think so. That's... So I'm going to mail him a letter. Oh, okay. That's nice. Sure. Why not? You should uh, mail a letter to like all of your listeners. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, That's just fine. a little thing that says thanks for listening. It, it will be, be Xeroxed. I hope that is okay. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Um, paper's paper. You're yeah. absolutely right. So, uh, do I then have to prove that each of those people have listened for one year? Oh, oh, well, that should save you, uh, yep. save you some paper there. So about 20, 20 then is what I'll have. Hey, that's not bad. It's <laughs> more than I had uh, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, now I believe that it is, uh, so you were last on the show to discuss the Oscars. Yes. The night of Awards, the Oscars. Yes. The night indeed. of the Oscars. Um, and I believe you've joined the fleet since then, right? Correct. Okay. How's it working out for you? Being on the fleet, it's, it's fantastic. We, all right. I appreciate uh, all of the support that your listeners have given our show. Absolutely. Because so, it's been really nice. And uh, uh, when we went to Comic-Con uh, at the little meetup, mm-hmm. uh, I met a fan. That was pretty, pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> and he was a stranger, right? He was a complete stranger. I didn't know complete who that person stranger. was at all. But he knows who you are. Yeah. That's weird, right? Yeah, not on sight, obviously, because right. you know, I'm a terrifying looking human. But you're tall. Um, it's I'm a little intimidating. Imposing, yeah, yeah. Well, let's tell you. So, uh, 
So we're going to uh, get into the topic. This episode might be uh, a little shorter than the normal ones, which is to say it could very well be an hour and a half and still can be considered shorter. Um, but I wanted to uh, apologize real quick. Uh, the air, My air conditioner is going because it's warm. Uh, the mic probably won't pick it up, but my air conditioner has been making some weird noises lately. Mm. So you might hear a bit of a rattle. Uh, from time to time, so uh, so yes, I'm sorry. And if you hear like a high pitched whine, that's just me. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll try to edit that out, but no guarantees. Yeah, I'd rather you not. I'll try not to talk over you, so that it'll be a clean edit. <laughs> so okay, now I don't quite recall uh, the the topic today is bad movies, kind of. Sure. Um, enjoyable bad movies. Enjoyable bad movies, and. It seemed like kind of a, a, a topic that sort of presents itself, given the nature of uh, your podcast, mm-hmm. which uh, explain uh, what that is. So for anybody who hasn't listened to WTF, are you watching, which is how you can find it online, because uh, most websites don't like the word fuck. Yep. I do. I think it's the best. Um, uh, but basically, my friend Lincoln, who lives in New York, and I, who live here in LA, we get together once a week, and uh, we have watched a movie, generally something streaming because it's easier that way. Mm-hmm. Um, something uh, that looks weird or bad or outrageous or um, ridiculous or obscure. Basically anything that someone would walk in and has done. Like my roommate has come in several times while I've been watching these movies and been like, what the fuck are you watching? Yeah. Which is, which could be said of most movies, but um, if someone's just not aware of it. But yeah. So that's basically it. And, and most of them, I try not to pick ones that are, go like that i think are going to be unbearable to watch because that's okay. not fun but sometimes we've watched some that have been unbearable um and it you just hear a lot of <laughs> while we talk about it because because basically then what we do is we discuss the film kind of talk about what we liked and didn't like if it's really bad it's mostly what we didn't like okay um but that's kind of okay um yeah and that david and i have done an episode about this uh, in the past but it has been a while mm. uh but yeah, it's not un, it's not unheard of for uh, movie nerds, movie fans, movie snobs uh, to engage in a a bad movie night where mm-hmm. they invite some some friends over, some of their wittier friends, hopefully from uh, wittier from yes <laughs> yes uh, you know members of the Nixon family y- yes invite them on over. They love a good bad movie, and you know what uh, Nixon says about bad movies? What's that? Fuck them. <laughs> Okay, that's going to be... All right, that is a reference to uh, Secret Honor, directed by Robert Altman. I did not know where you were headed with that. And by the way, you sounded a little uh, Green Goblin-esque just then. But what are you okay. talking about? <laughs> I'm Richard Nixon. That's how he sounds, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, and and so that that is a, a thing that is done fairly regularly. I don't do it very often. Uh, rather, I will probably just watch an episode of... Mystery Science Theater sure. 3000, yes. because as witty as my friends can get, mm-hmm. uh, they can't beat, uh, you know, the bots yeah. and Joel or Mike. And so... Um, and so Pearl on occasion. What was that? And Pearl on Sometimes occasion. Sometimes Pearl. Maybe a gypsy is in there. Hey, maybe. I guess she she counts as a bot. That is true. So, uh, but yeah, the... Um, there's a, a movie out there that I saw... Uh, somewhat re- not recently I saw it maybe in the last few years mm-hmm. I, I'm, I was kind of late to the party um, and it's called Troll 2 mm-hmm. 
Um, most people have heard of it. We've we've spoken about it on the show before. It is delightful. <laughs> it is absolutely horrendous. I mean, it is uh, almost almost like an experimental film. Yeah, but I don't think anybody knew that while it was being made. No, that is a, that is a very strange movie because it it's just it just fails. That's all. I, I mean, it's like the production values aren't bad. Like the creature effects are not great, but they're you know. I've seen worse, um, but it's just it's just everything about it just doesn't work, and it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's <laughs> you know okay. This, here's a here's a little uh, peek inside Tyler Smith's brain. Oh, good. Yeah, when I was younger, I used to be of the opinion. When, and when I say younger, I mean fourteen, fifteen. Sure, I was of the opinion that if you could just get a movie made. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if you knew it was not going to be that great, hey, you've got something you can show people. I made that. Mm-hmm. I think at the time I had just started writing uh, like little sketches for my church, and uh, then people would perform them in front of the church, which at the time was uh, like two thousand people. Sure, so that was wow. that was very exciting for me. This idea, I-, I couldn't get over the idea that like something that that did not exist save for inside my head now 2000 people are watching it mm-hmm. and i find that i found that fascinating i still kind of find it fascinating um and so i think that le- so i think that led to this idea of like hey just get it made just get something made and uh you know do do what you can with it but even if it doesn't turn out that great there's probably something good about it and you can show people and say hey look at this um <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that anymore. Um, <laughs> I think uh, f- a friend of the show, who's on the show last week, and my co-host, more than one lesson, Josh Long. Uh, I've heard stories from him about working on just low budget, like yeah, straight to DVD stuff. Gra- yeah, micro budget, straight to DVD, not in the U.S. market, by the way. Yeah, like y- it. You might it might find its way over here, but it's mostly like over in Asia. And so he'll he'll work on those. And when I hear about what they are, like clearly it's just everyone could probably be working at a at a slightly higher level than they are, but they're not. <laughs> they just want to get this out there quickly. And so I remember I was talking with Josh, and I said, like, do you put any of those on your resume? I mean, you know, it builds your resume. People look at it, and he's like, I don't want those on my resume. <laughs> and uh, and after a while, I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so all that is to say that uh, something like Troll 2, you know, I'm sure for, there's a, there were some actors in it and some non-actors in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for the actors, they could, for a while, I'm sure some of them thought like, oh, well, this seems like kind of a weird thing to be a part of. But, uh, hey, it's something for the old resume, something for the old CV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the non-actors are like, hey, I got a starring role in uh, this, this weird movie awesome this mm-hmm. is great and then of course you hear tell that like all of them just distance themselves from it over yeah. time have you seen this documentary called best worst movie i have and that's uh, that's where i was uh, that's where i was headed mm. because uh over time a lot of those actors they distanced themselves from the film and then they started to embrace it a little bit more when they recognized what it was well and, yeah and it, it got a huge cult following because yeah uh, you know for midnight movies and stuff right it is bad it is really it's okay and and i guess we'll get into it right now um shall we shall we get into it that's not my place to say it you're right it's it's not mine surely eh, it's probably more yours than mine okay so um 
But yeah, and so, uh, and we'll talk about best worst movie uh, in a moment. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: what I, I found myself instinctively about to say something to the listener, which I've, I'm sure I've said before. Troll two. We'll get we'll get to more obscure films, but. Um, <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> we'll um, get to more obscure films yeah, later. Then Troll 2. Uh, <laughs> and so, I instinctively was about to say, you gotta see it. If you haven't seen it, you gotta see it. I instinctively almost said it. Yeah. And then for a moment, it's like, don't say it. You're about to examine that whole instinct for the next hour or so. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so maybe, uh, maybe call attention to the fact that you have that instinct. Mm-hmm. But it is something, once I saw it, I recommended it to my friends, but of course I'm not actually recommending it. Yeah. I'm, rec- I'm not recommending the movie, I'm recommending the experience of seeing the movie. Yes. There is a difference. Certainly. In your opinion, Kyle Anderson, what the fuck are you watching podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, uh, what is that difference? Well, there's, there's a train wreck quality to a lot of these movies, mm-hmm. and... And yeah, I mean to and to a lot of television now. Anyway, people just like to see bad, bad things for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it's it's not necessarily I recommend that you watch this movie. It's you got to see it to believe it. Like yeah, almost like our whole tenant on the podcast is we watch shitty movies so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we take we take the bullet for Absolutely. for you, the listener. Um, but some of them. You, you like no amount of art describing the movie will do justice and troll two is kind of that like we could describe the movie and it would be you'd be like okay sounds like a crappy troll movie but there's just something there's something magically awful about a movie like that where yeah. every line reading is bad every character's like facial expressions is bad. and because there was a thing where the the writer and di- writers and director were italian mm-hmm. but it was shot in america and they would not allow any of the american actors to to change the because it was a literal translation from italian to english mm-hmm. and they would not allow the script to be do- you know touched in the least so they <laughs> these americans who aren't actors had to figure out how to say these italian translated words convincingly yeah and they didn't no they didn't <laughs> uh and and you, you kind of wonder like what would it what would it have looked like if they had said it conv- said these ridiculous lines convincingly yeah i don't know if anyone could say them convincingly. I, right. um but but what's more is like there are things about the film that are more than mere lost in translation kind of kind of thing sure where like a character is just so he's just he's so hungry and admittedly hey you know i've been hungry sure i get it (laughs) he's so hungry and then just like and then like he finds like what like an ear of corn or something he's so happy doesn't even care that it's covered in green stuff does not care yeah and i would say there's not a lot of things that i eat there's not a lot of liquids i that i will uh you know imbibe imbibe or or like a drizzle over <laughs> over a food uh you know there's not a lot of green foods that i eat in general right uh, but because i'm you know i'm averse to salad and that kind of thing right super taster and all super hey i don't know i feel like maybe that doesn't apply salads are pretty bland but um <laughs> although that texture gets me but super texture but, absolutely <laughs> uh but yeah, uh, but when I think of like, but that's a those are green solids. They're really aside from ecto cooler, which I drank growing up. Sure, 
Who didn't? You um, know? Communists, probably. Absolutely. They are now drinking it. <laughs> they are 25 years behind the rest Everyone of knows that. Um, so, uh, yeah, because they didn't have Ghostbusters because of the atheistic philosophy. Right. Ghosts don't exist, humorously or not. <laughs> Get it out of here. So, um, what a weird train of thought that was. But um, We do but not yeah. like Peter Venkman. <laughs> <laughs> we do not like his attitude toward ghost. <laughs> Must show respect to ghost. Do not cross streams. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I apologize for any Russian listeners we might have. I think there's some. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, so this guy do- he, ju- he doesn't care that there is green stuff all over his <laughs> corn. He is he's that hungry. So damn hungry. boy, he's hungry. <laughs> He sure is. Uh, and so, but that's a silly, that's a ridiculous, silly way for a person, a re- seemingly a normal person to behave. Yes. Uh, and so the fact that the, that the director and the writers just thought like, again, translation aside, they still had this guy so famished that he will eat green corn. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it really is a train wreck kind of thing because at its best, or at almost any any bad movie's best, uh, it's like watching the ravings of uh, the, the rantings of a lunatic. Yeah, it's fascinating. You almost, I mean, it's I I don't like a lot of that stuff where you know it's it's so ghastly that you can't turn your eyes. You know, from a lot of reality TV, I just can't abide because it's just it's uh, you know uh, unsettling to me. No. But this isn't real. Uh, this is somebody <laughs> directed them to do these things yeah. in this movie. Someone wrote it down on a piece of paper, made special effects, and it's just it's it's. These are what I what, like. My favorite kind of bad movie okay. are what I like to call glorious failures. Okay, where they just swung for the fences and and threw the bat into the stands. Like that's <laughs> that's how bad. And those are the ones that that I love are, are people who tried and really failed. Like I I, I don't know why. I I find them kind of quaint a little bit. Um, it's like, oh, good job, good for you. Yeah, at least you try. And that that is the thing. There are okay. So to sort of tie this in with last week, there are uh, movies that we just hate. Sure, like a Pearl Harbor, a Life of David Gale, mm-hmm. uh, a Bowling for Columbine, a Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Barbarian, the, the remake, remake, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, because that, that original is just so damn wonderful. I mean, it, it's up there with what is best in life. Okay. I mean, it's maybe second best behind... Uh, maybe uh, second or third best behind... Yeah, like uh, Love? Uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Hearing the Lamentations of the Women. Oh, that, okay. That is best in life, surely. Oh, uh, sure. Absolutely. I can't remember the beginning of the quote. I don't think I... Yeah, it's... Conan, what is best in life? The... Crush your enemies to see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of the women. That's what it is. Okay, fair I have enough. to do it in the voice, otherwise I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I am with the uh, with Doctor Strangelove's voice. Like I can't think of his lines, but if I go into just that weird bubble throating German Fuhrer, accent, I can walk. No, that doesn't sound <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and so um, I completely forgot what we were talking about. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, we were I'm, talking uh, about uh, bad sleepy. movies last week. That's right, yes. Or movies so those you are, hate, right? Those are movies that, that you just hate. Yeah. 
you know, and you feel like there's, uh, for whatever reason, they can be just as, they can be very ambitious. Pearl Harbor is a very ambitious film, sure. a very sincere film, mm-hmm. and yet I come away from that movie with total disdain. Yep. Now, Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh-huh. Troll 2, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably a number of others. Manos the Hands of Fate. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are these are like some of the, the obvious ones there. As I said, they're much yeah. more obscure ones. But, um, you know... These are these are movies that it sounds so strange to me because I'm not I'm not a, a like a, a a troll to cultist. When you if you watch uh, best worst movie, you will see like people who just who just worship this movie. Not literally, of course, but right. um, they'll get tattoos of it, mm-hmm. and they they go to screenings and they just say, "Oh, we just we love it so much." And it's like I mean, you love you do love it, yes, but you love to hate it. Like you have. Res- you seem to have respect for the actors, but you also are laughing at them. There's no right. question about it. Like there's a weird, a weird duality going on. And I don't mean to say that the people who love it are being disingenuous. Um, they actually do love it. And I think they do have a genuine love mm-hmm. for the people that made the film. I, I think the, the difference is you, for something like that, you have to be able to recognize that it is bad. Okay. Um, I, there are movies that I find delightful that are not good, mm-hmm. but I know that they're not good and I know why they're not good. Okay. Um, but it, it's, it, you know, there are people out there who, who love things unabashedly regardless of how crappy it is and, and, re- and yet refuse to accept how crappy it is. Okay. Um, and that, that's the kind of mentality that I don't quite understand. It's not, it's not irony if you just love it and think it's great. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and that leads me... We'll get into a, a, a deeper discussion of some of uh, some of your favorite uh, bad mm-hmm. movies of sorts uh, in a moment. But I do want to return to uh, Best Worst Movie. Uh, it's an interesting documentary. Definitely. Um, definitely check that out. You don't actually need to have seen Troll 2 to watch and appreciate right. Best Worst Movie. Yeah. You'll, see, you'll certainly see enough of the film within the documentary. Yes. You'll, you'll get it. Yeah. Um, I think the documentary maybe could be could have been a little bit more probing personally. Sure, uh, especially of the of the director of the documentary, who who was uh, who was an actor and yeah, who played the, a young boy, the child star. Yeah, and then he grew up and, like I said, like so many others, distanced himself from the film, but then started to embrace it as this amazing cult, terrible film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he he kind of delves into what some of the other actors are are into, and it's and that's interesting. But part of me is like, you, it it almost seems as though he's trying to kind of he's focusing on other people so much that he's trying to avoid talking about himself in any kind of deep way. Yeah. Um. But that's just a that's that's a picky point. It's an interesting documentary. It is. I mean, because he kind of turns the the guy who played his father in the film into yes. the, ostensibly the lead of the documentary. Yes. Um. And he's a, he's a very interesting and compelling guy. He really is because he he embraces. I mean, because he's a he's a dentist in wherever they're from, Alabama or something. Alabama, I believe. Yeah. And uh, and he's got a cutout, a cardboard cutout of of himself. I think in Troll Two, maybe yeah. it's just the poster. Um, and he like t- like, and it could just be for the benefit of the cameras being there. But like all those patients who come in, it was like, yeah, I was in this movie like twenty years ago, however long it was. I get the impression that that's probably because of the cameras that they're like, wait, why is there a camera on you, uh, yeah. dentist? And it's like, oh, I did this thing. Uh, but at the but yeah, he he seems to have gotten a, uh, just a big kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, yes, uh, and then kind of not by the end of the movie. But. Yeah, it's actually his his journey. Like the film is worth watching just for his journey because Definitely. you actually do see that like that he does come off as kind of 
this is going to sound ruder than I mean it to, but this is the only word I can think of. He's kinda, such a big piece of shit. <laughs> Did that sound rude? I'm sorry. I was going to say he's, he seems kind of like a rube, where sure. he's just like, he's like, uh, like all these people, like all these uh, fans of, of the movie, like they just love him so much. And then he kind of goes on the road, mm-hmm. uh, sort of to these various screenings and people love him and stuff. And then he starts going to like conventions, like horror movie conventions yeah. and people just sort of pass him by. And that's when I think he realizes that this is a small thing. This is... This is a cult thing. Yeah. And that anybody else, any like quote unquote true horror fan probably looks down on Troll 2 and probably would look down on his involvement with it if they think of it at all, which they don't. Yeah. Um, and so his story is, is, I find it kind of sad. Yeah. Sort of. But he seems pretty content by the end of it. So you yeah. know, I can't, I guess I can't say it's sad, no. but, but yeah, it's, it's worth watching uh, the documentary, but. After I saw it, I was looking up some some reviews uh, of the film, and uh, all of them said kind of what I said just now um, about uh, the director maybe trying to draw attention away from himself mm-hmm. and his own his own emotional journey with the with the film. Uh, and then I got around to a review in the Chicago Reader by J.R. Jones. Now, having lived in Chicago, I'm I'm familiar with J.R. Jones and Jonathan Rosenbaum and and all of them, uh, and. I like them as critics. I think they're. In, I think they have a very interesting point of view. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I remember. I could. All, I could all, sort of always count on on them to to challenge something I was already thinking. I always know because because uh, it was not an it was not unusual for me to like finish their article and feel a certain degree of shame that I had not <laughs> thought of what they were, what they were saying. And uh, and I got a lot of I got a little bit of that with J.R. Jones' rather extended review mm-hmm. of not of troll 2 but of best worst movie and he talked about and I, I i forwarded the article to you so we can talk about it a little yes. bit and then use it as a jumping off point for further discussion um he mentioned or noted rather that the audiences that love troll 2 and get tattoos of it and wear t-shirts and all that sort of thing they tend to be younger. They tend to be probably 35 or, or younger. Mm-hmm. And that you don't often see a lot of older people at the screening. Uh, and then I think he notes that, uh, that when George Hardy, who play, who, who's the dentist, mm-hmm. when there's like a screening at his, in his hometown and he brings his friends to see it. Well, all of his friends are probably in their 50s. Uh, and they seem to not know what it is they're watching and they seem to have no real appreciation for it they seem to see it as this is a ridiculous movie that is not worth why are we watching this yeah and uh and i thought it was interesting that the jr jones noted that and said you know when you're younger you tend to make more one could say careless decisions because you sort of feel like you've got the whole world ahead of mm-hmm. you but as you get older you're like i don't have a whole lot of time not not to say like you're you know death is around every corner <laughs> or anything but you're just like but it is it is in fact uh, there's no question about it yep. once you hit 50 it's uh, it's all downhill from there um but uh but yeah and so <clears throat> excuse me but when you get older it's it's more just like well you know t- time flies and before i know it i could be, I, it, 10 years could have gone by and so i want to make sure that i do something good with that 10 years and so he talks about the idea that if you've got if you only have 24 hours in a day and you have two hours of that to spend on a movie 
is it better to is it better to watch a good movie, whether it be one you have seen or one you haven't, um, and one that could challenge you, like as a person, or just or just enrich your life somehow, or is it better to watch one of these bad movies that you and I are talking about and and make fun of it a little bit and and kind of enjoy, still enjoy yourself, but in a different way, not not really being artistically, not engaging with the film artistically, more just sort of engaging with it almost as a sociological experiment. Um, and it was it's an interesting article. I think I'll try to I'll link to it in the in the post uh, on this episode because it's it's worth reading re- regardless of what you think about, uh, wh- regardless of whether you agree with him or not. Um, but it did get me thinking about, not unlike last week when I was talking about, is it okay to truly just hate a movie? Is it is it okay on two different levels to engage in like you know a bad movie night, which I which I have done and probably will still do in the future? Yeah. Um, is that an okay practice? Because a you are making fun of the people people who quite possibly sincerely made something and put a lot of themselves into it, right? But also, that is too, you know, like, for example, let's put it, this, let's put it like this. I've seen Troll 2. I have not seen Seven Samurai. Now, admittedly... You could watch Troll 2 three times. Three times, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there is that, yes. But... Uh, well, two and a half. Let's not get excited. Yeah, come on. Um, tr- Troll 2 is no 70-minute slouch. 70-minute um, slouch, though, is a really good movie. That is, Yeah. So, like I love the I love the, like the dance sequences. <laughs> yeah, it's surprisingly yeah. good well choreographed. Although shockingly gory at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you dance in a buzzsaw factory. <laughs> You're going to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. And so much nudity. Man. Yeah. Well, 70 minute slouch. Let's make this movie. And that's what you get Serbian movies. Oh. Oh. I never saw that movie. And I don't me think, neither. I, I don't think I'm, I ever want to. I don't to. want to see that. <laughs> see, there's an yeah, example. Yeah, me. Just, I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, what does that tell you? Yeah. And we'll go through some of the movies that you have watched uh, oh, yes. for your podcast. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's something worth exploring. Uh, that I have seen Troll 2. Mm-hmm. I believe twice. And I have not seen Seven Samurai. I have not seen Passion of Joan of Arc. I have not seen Tokyo Story. Uh, I have not seen uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Wow, uh, this is very exciting because you know that's going to be re-released October fourth in theaters. Is it for the fiftieth anniversary? Because uh, I missed it one when, day only, my friend. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go to it. You got to go because it it was uh, uh, it was playing at the Academy not too long ago, mm-hmm. and I stupidly didn't get tickets until it was too late, or didn't try to get tickets until it was too late. Look it up. I have seen it on the big screen, and it is astounding. Wait, what day is it? October fourth, I believe. I'll try to see it. Okay, absolutely. So, um, okay. So I've been talking for a while, sort of setting up the, the premise of the episode, although there's no real premise. Sure. It's more just talking about bad movies uh, and the, the practice of watching them. Uh, so what did you... So you read the the article today. You seem to think that you might have read it in the past as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I feel think like I mean... I, I sort of resent his, his, his idea that these people are watching bad movies. I sort of get that he, they're, we're either just doing it ironically... Uh, and uh, or that we don't know any better, and he's assuming that there is nothing to be gained from watching a bad movie, and I, I disagree with that. Okay. Some of them, there is nothing. There is there is no redeeming value or even entertainment value. Mm-hmm. But that's true. Like I've like you guys talked about last week. I've hated movies that are supposed to be good, or at least not of of the same level of badness. Right. 
Um, and or and there's other movies that you know, regardless of what people say about them, I'm just not interested in seeing it. Yeah. Um, something that looks weird, I'm much more interested in watching than something that looks boring, no matter how good the acting or writing. It. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's something like that. It's, it was it was that kind of thing. Uh, and and also, uh, you guys touched on it last week. The the article that Film Crit Hulk wrote where right. about his his uh, uh, conversation with Quentin Tarantino. Um, and, and David has an interesting point, which is like the filmmaker side versus the the critic side right. of being able to appreciate bad movies um, more. Um, for my thing, I, I like to watch good and bad movies mm-hmm. so that you don't get jaded one way or the other. Right. I feel like a lot of people who only watch like the best movies ever made good for them but like if they watch anything that's you know that most people would give like a b b minus then they're like ugh that was terrible you know what i mean so uh, yeah you, 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 i always perspective yes exactly and i always feel like you need to balance um uh take the middle middle path absolutely i'm, I'm the buddhist of film critics okay Let's pretend that's there's true. A, there's your tagline for, <laughs> for what the fuck are you watching? I'm the Buddhist of film critics. Um, I've never used that voice before. Um, uh, but but I, I enjoy watching. There are things that I get out of it. Because sometimes the movie, the movie as a whole will not work. Mm-hmm. But there will be things within it that I think, well, that was interesting or something like that. Especially, I, I particularly enjoy bad genre films. Okay. Um, because usually those are very low budget and... Um, if they do anything interesting, uh, generally, you know, in special effects or in, you know, in filming technique, then, then, you know, that's like, oh, wow, that they did that. But because you can learn fr- from anything or you can see influence other places. Um, cause a lot of these filmmakers like Tarantino, especially, but, uh, there are other filmmakers as well, get inspiration from these kind of weird, obscure or, or not good movies. Mm-hmm. And so I always think it's interesting to see where people get stuff, where, where people get their ideas. Um, you know, so if, if, you know, somebody sees, um, Oh, I can't even think of a bad movie right now. Um, the one we're about to watch, uh, for the next episode is war of the gargantuas, which is, which is, uh, made by, um, Ashiro Hondo, Honda, I think I don't remember who who he directed Godzilla and a, and Mothra and like a bunch of those movies. So it's mm. it's a big giant monster movie. But um, on the Oscars, Brad Pitt mentioned it as being like his favorite movie growing up. Hmm. So that I mean, there's no way that that could have influenced him as like his acting technique, but it certainly <laughs> right. influenced him as wanting to you know be interested in films. So there's stuff like that that I find I find interesting. And you never know what what somebody might respond to. I mean, don't get me wrong. To go back to Troll Two, and I think this will probably be the last time I mention it. Um, if I were to run across that film as a, as a kid, let's yeah. say seven, it'd probably scare me. Sure, there's some deeply disturbing things in that. Yeah, um, there are a couple of performances that, while not traditionally good, are appropriately creepy. Mm-hmm. There is a store owner oh, who yeah. now. When you watch Best Worst Movie, you will realize he's not really performing, but well cast. Indeed. As a non-human. Uh, and and there are there are things in that in the film that I think would, would frighten me when I was younger because mm-hmm. there's genuine I don't know, it's like you can't even you can't even cast off Troll Two. Something that as you said, 
is like every line is poorly written and poorly acted and when it's put together probably poorly edited as yeah. well um like it, it's it's all there it's got everything you everything you could ever not want <laughs> um but every once in a while there's just a little stroke of like what the what is that how'd that get in here that's like a if that were in a better movie this this would be a really good movie um that's a weird thing to say but uh but yeah like it is about, as I said earlier, perspective. Like, mm-hmm. when you watch the great movies, you're able to recognize good things and bad movies. But if you, if you only ever watch great movies, then very good movies will seem like crap to you. Yeah. It, it just, it's a strange... And if you all you ever watch is bad movies, what is the matter with you? <laughs> right. But... Um, but I, I definitely feel like you just, you know, you need to take, you don't need, you don't have to watch every movie just cause it exists. Right. But you know, if something looks interesting to you and it, it ends up being not a good movie, mm-hmm. you shouldn't go, Oh, that was wasted time. You, you know, you just say well, that was a learning experience. That's the way I take like every movie I watch. Yeah. Even the ones that are really, really like, I know a lot of people like the room because it's so awful. Right. Um, I don't, uh, stuff like that. It's just it, it is actually painful for me to watch. So I've only I've watched it once, and, and that is enough. Okay. Um, but then there are movies like um, Star Crash, which is uh, an Italian like uh, Star Wars ripoff, which I've seen probably four times because it is just that bonkers and and like is dazzle, dazzlingly bonkers. I think. Mm. Um, like all the effects are bad and because it opens with a shot not unlike star wars with a ship flying overhead it is a clearly very flimsy plastic spaceship (laughs) that you can see the shadow of the camera or something on as it goes over the it's so ludicrous that they tried to get that across and it's just like the 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 uh the earnestness of the film Hmm. it's just it just makes me laugh every time i watch it uh, and that leads me into, um, uh, I guess, more just a, a list of recommendations. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that you can, as I've said on on the show before, I, I don't like to use the word boring uh, yeah. because you can get like <laughs> the joke that I make is because you know white hot rage is not boring you know there are <laughs> movies that that i just hate for wasting my time yeah and but at least then i'm i'm engaging with it emotionally probably <laughs> not the emotion they wanted yeah well, but uh oogie loves they they were really happy that everyone hated it absolutely they really and uh, didn't go see it so that maybe they weren't happy about that right but they sure did uh it was fun watching the spin machine of that studio. Did oh, you yeah. see it? Where oh, they're yeah. like, like we're kind of excited about the reputation that it has now because now people will seek it out. It's like, well, I think you probably would have been happy. So you're happy that people will seek it out because of its, its reputation. I think you probably would have been happier if they sought it out because they wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's that's the first level of what they would be happy about. Yeah, right. Second level is right. reputation, I guess. Yeah, consolation prize. Also, don't call your movie Oogie Loves because that sounds like something your creepy uncle does in the basement to you. <laughs> hey, Come on down, Stamparoogie loves. No, thank you. <laughs> I you want you want to go on a balloon adventure? Isn't that what it is? Oogie loves no and like idea. a great balloon. I don't know who. Cares. Also, anyway. don't make an interactive movie that parents have to get up and dance during. Is that that's a- I guess that's what happens. Like there's Ugh. portions where they want the audience to get up and do dances. Man, 
Say this, what you, see, this is an say example. What, of, say what you will about Delgo. Uh, <laughs> it didn't have that. But uh, Delgo's a sad, a sad story. Everyone should look it up. Uh, not the story in the film. No, because the story of the making of the film. Yeah. Um, poor Delgo. Poor Delgo. Should have been Hidalgo. That would have gotten people into the theater. Should have Hidalgo been, was a runaway hit. They should have called the movie High Delgo, and people would have been confused. That's certainly enough. I've worked in enough video stores to know that that will get rented uh, a lot. And it's like, I don't see a lot of horses on the on the box here, but uh, that's all right. I guess they're just saving it. So um, for once you've rented the movie. Um, These are very realistic special effects. In fact, they look kind of cartoony, I'd say. Also, why is this on another planet? I thought, uh, why is Aragorn... Where's Aragorn? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Now I've just gone full fledged, just hick with it. Yeah. Uh, from when I, from my days of working in a I'm video from store. Massachusetts. <laughs> what? There's no way you're from Massachusetts. Well, I got fooled by the cover, so this is how I talk. <laughs> I'm sorry for listeners in the south. So, um, but yeah, what I what I find what I find interesting about your show is that it does seem to run away with this idea that a movie like. If it's terrible, it's to, at least it's not boring. I remember, yeah. I remember uh, back on Ebert and Roper when uh, Roger Ebert, back before he had his troubles, he uh, was talking about Basic Instinct Two. Mm-hmm. Cruise he said, control. He, he said, "What was that? Cruise control? That's the one where you are the endangered species." <laughs> uh, he said, "It's bad, but it's not boring," and that seemed yeah. like such a weird thing to say. And Roper, of course, is like. But it's bad. And he's like, yeah, I know, but it's it's at least interesting. Like, something can be terrible and interesting. Yeah, I, I think the cardinal sin of movies that we've watched on the podcast is it, it boring ones. Because there's just, there's nothing even, no discussion points or anything like right. that. There's nothing to keep, I mean, movies that are ridiculous have that going for them, yeah. at least. Like, uh there's a movie that I watched, not for our podcast, but for a, an, another column that I write. I've become the bad movie guy, and I didn't realize how that was going to happen. But um, one of the video nasties, have you ever heard of video nasties? No. In the 80s, um, in Britain, uh, Britain is, is much more, um, uh, they, they have actually a censorship. But it's not the MPAA where it's like, we, we think you should cut this if you want this rating. They will actually say, no, you can't. Oh really? I didn't know that. Um, the, yeah, it's the British Board of Film Censorship, hmm. and they do everything. But um, there were films that would come out theatrically. They'd be like, "You need to cut this and this and this before we release it. And we'll give it a you know a fifteen or whatever," because um, they're different over there. Um, but then they could release them on video. There was no rate or you know governing board for video, so anybody could go into a video store, children or otherwise, and rent. I mean, supposedly, right. and rent these movies. So. Uh, the par- a parents group got really upset about that, and so they they eventually compiled a list of I think it was like seventy two films that they deemed um, uh, not good for human consumption um, <laughs> because of the, of violence, and thirty nine of them were prosecuted in court. Wow! Like uh, um, the the Evil Dead was among them, and Sam Raimi had to go to court in Britain and defend his own film. Uh, wow! It was not a great time for genre films because mo- oh, almost sure. all of these were low budget horror movies yeah um but i'd only seen uh, and there, i think there's maybe 10 i don't i don't know this figure offhand but that are still banned in britain today um over time the the ban had been lifted or like they'd mm-hmm. have to cut certain things to for it to be even on video allowed um but there's uh, i think 
a handful of them are that are still not allowed in in Britain today. Do you know of any uh, like offhand? Like offhand, what some I can't of okay. think of any because even something like Cannibal Holocaust, which I don't recommend mm-hmm. because it, they actually like murder animals on screen, and I'm yeah. not okay with that. Um, but even that got, I think, may have gotten through with some cuts or something like that. At any rate, I hadn't seen that many of these these films. And the ones that I had seen were just like, okay. So I watched a weird one called the uh, Anthropophagus. Anthropophagus. Okay. I don't know what that word means. Um, uh, colon, the Grim Reaper. Oh, okay. Otherwise, or Anthropophagus, colon, the Beast. That's Those are multiple names. And this is an Italian film about a, a, a guy who uh, killed his family when they were shipwrecked and ate them hmm. and uh, became an insane murderer on an island. And there's a bunch of like... Uh, travelers going it's off a greek isle um and they go to this island and they get picked off one by one and it's very stupid for a good portion of it uh actually all of it it's stupid but mm-hmm. um toward the end it starts getting really like particularly gory there's a there's a pregnant woman in the film oh oh yeah and so um he he may or may not uh remove her unborn child and eat it uh, and then at the end, he is chasing the one lone woman, uh, and he's about to get her. And then uh, the husband of the pregnant woman shows up with a pickaxe and stabs him through the gut. Good for him, I say. Yeah, absolutely. This man is evil. Um, and then uh, the evil guy pulls his own guts out and starts devouring them as he dies. See, he, not realizing, of course, <laughs> where's he's he going to go? He's going to need those to digest them. It's like a snake eating its own intestines, <laughs> right? That's the saying, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I was thinking about that. I mean, it's gross. It's a gross movie. Mm. If, if you know, th- this one kind of, I could kind of see where they were coming from. Sure. You know, um, but I started thinking, if you took those scenes out, because it was released elsewhere with those cuts made, mm-hmm. um, what is the point of this movie, if not the grossness? Yeah. So it's a strange, it's a strange thing for bad movies where they're like, well, all we have is this excessive gore. Yeah. But if that's all you have, then what, you know, if you're never, if it's never going to get to be seen by most people, then what you have is nothing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I think about it, I mean, that certainly is, is much more gory than, say, Night of the Living Dead. Definitely. But yeah, Night yeah. of the Living Dead was very disturbing to people at the time. Yeah. And when you think about it, like, if you look at Night of the Living Dead from just the right angle, it's not that different than some of the movies that we're talking about. I think I think it creates a, a nice tone of dread. Yes. Genuine scares. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that that acting is that much better than some of the no. acting we're talking about. And, most and the of idea of the, the, the dead now walk and they eat people. Like, that's, yeah. that's pulpy. It's absolutely pulpy. All these movies, not all these movies, but a good portion of, of these what we call bad movies are, are just B movies. Right. Uh, and there's very little that separates bad from good in B movies. Uh, except for like you know talent mostly like yeah. or uh you know intent i suppose there's there's movies that are i mean they're all almost all exploitation films mm-hmm. but some of them are to exploit other exploitation films and those are you know uh i'm actually a big proponent of roger corman and and his mm-hmm. cinema because while they're all exploitation movies and all done for very low budget i mean he did you know foster some very great talent i just recently watched joe dante's piranha which was made uh, not to capitalize on jaws but on jaws 2 <laughs> um and i actually really enjoyed it it's you know it's pulpy and the the effects aren't great and uh you know the the budget shows mm-hmm. but there's something you know there's 
there's something about it. Well, Joe Dante, he just he has that kind of just a he just has a wit. Like it, yes. does, it doesn't even matter what his budget yeah, is. Yeah. Like, and the script was written by John Sayles. <laughs> it was who he John was a Sayles? novelist yeah, yeah. first, um, and they they asked him to write this screenplay, and which I mean it's amazing. He wrote a bunch of stuff for Corman. Um, and you know, and like one of the, my favorite movies that uh, you will never watch is uh, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, which is a Corman production. Now, when he says I'll never watch it, I want to see it. <laughs> uh, Kyle and myself and Josh from last week and various other people were part of a weekly movie night, and uh, every week somebody has a different pick. Secret Honor, as previously referenced, mm-hmm. uh, was my pick for this last week, and uh, we keep we keep putting off Battle Beyond the Stars, even though you can pick it any time you want. I know. But you keep putting it off. Well, the, the thing is, some nights are, are grab bag. Right, yes. So everybody brings a pick or two. Uh, or and five I, in my or case. Or five. And I want it to be chosen by the group. Yeah. And then it keeps not being. It keeps not being chosen. Sorry about that, buddy. At any rate, this movie that I love, um, yeah. it, it, John Sayles wrote the screenplay. Uh, uh, James Horner did the score. Hmm. And um, James Cameron was the art director and special effects like head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... It's amazing. I mean, that's part of the, what I love about kind of B movies is that you see people's talent come through, even if it's a super low budget movie. That movie was only like two million dollars. That's that is the neat thing about some of these some of these movies is that yes, it's entirely possible for ninety percent of it to be terrible, and you can take joy in some of that ninety percent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe not the same type of joy that you would take in, uh, you know, a Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson movie or something like that. Yes. I picked him specifically because you <laughs> hate him so much. Um, yeah, that's well, he's my uncle. <laughs> right. And then you're related to, you know, uh, friend of the show, Will Anderson, all the Anderson little known fact, yeah. not a, see, not no Smiths are related. None. Every Anderson is related. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It is very strange. Our family reunions are the globe. <laughs> we can never pick where to meet. Thank God Skype was invented. Yeah, basically. But, 50 uh, way call. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Aunt Pamela. So, um, <laughs> I got a lot. Look, I caught a lot of hell in elementary and middle school. I'm sure. Because my name was Anderson. Kids don't realize that that's a very common name. Right, right. Are you related to Pamela Anderson? What am I supposed to say? Yes, she's my aunt. She's got big tits. I, that's okay. What do you want me to say? If she actually is my aunt, I'm going to be very offended by this. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so like, so there are, you know, you can enjoy, you can enjoy some of the, uh, some of the bad stuff and, and make fun of it and recognize it. Ah, there's, there's some silliness here going on, mm-hmm. but you will sometimes find a little gem, not, it doesn't necessarily make the whole movie a gem, but within a movie, it's just like, Hey, what, what the hell's going on over there? That's yeah. like, uh, an example is Carnosaur. That's another Corman film. Uh, Corman of course produced, it is. Yeah. New World. Now, what's interesting about it, of course, that that was capitalizing on Jurassic Park. Sure, came out definitely. the same year. Made like I think they made seven of those. Did Carnosaurs? they? Well, maybe not quite seven. Now, at I least saw three. The, I only saw the first one, the best one. Yeah, as we all know, the one with Diane Ladd in it. And uh, here we are. Diane Ladd is delivering one of the most committed, in every sense of the word, including insanity. <laughs> uh, one of the most committed, uh, just exposed performances i've ever seen she like she clearly took a look at that script and said all right i got it (laughs) crazy right this person's crazy all right no problem and so uh and she delivers a 
the the kind of performance that uh, it's not unlike who is it in uh, Carrie Piper Laurie? Yeah, not unlike that type of performance. Yeah. If the film around it were just a little bit different, people would be like. This is a, a yeah. wonderful performance, but of course people aren't going to see it because that means they have to see Carnosaur. Carnosaur is not a good movie, and there's a lot of silliness going on, <laughs> um, and the effects are awful. And I love that. Uh, I I love the idea that you know special effects extravaganzas like a Star Wars or a Jurassic Park, and they're like, all right, we can capitalize on this. We have I'm going to say one three hundredth the budget. <laughs> But I think we can do this. That's something I love about Corman is that his films, with, with one exception, never lose money. In fact, they often make, <laughs> always make a profit. And that's because if you don't spend a lot of money, eh, you don't have to aim that high mm-hmm. for what you, I mean, because a movie that costs $100 million, if it only makes $50 million, that's mm-hmm. awful. That's that's horrible. If, you're, if your movie costs $5 million and it takes in 10, that's not a great haul normally, but yeah. you've doubled your money. Doubled your pleasure. And doubled your fun. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's one of the neat things about this is you can find a little gem. And as, as you know, we talk about with, with like Roger Corman, yeah. is great artists, like, they have the freedom in these movies that nobody cares about. Yeah. They have the freedom to try things. Yeah, and it's also they're under pressure, too, because they have such budgetary restraints and often yeah. mostly time restraints also. So it's like you have these people who have... Cult, I mean, uh, creative control over the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Corman doesn't really care, except he wants more boobs and more blood. Like, that's all he wants. Mm-hmm. So do that, and you're fine. Um, but they have no money, and they have uh, no time. And it's just, it's like, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, under pressure, what can you create? And some of these are really quite good, considering. You always, I mean, I hate yeah. to throw considering in, but... Right. It's, it is an interest, it's an interesting thing, because, like... You know, you look at somebody like a George Lucas who's given unlimited budget and unlimited control by when himself. He ma- when he ma- <laughs> by himself when he made the new Star Wars movies, and yep. those things are awful. Yep. With inept. Ex- inept. I inept. Think. Yeah. yeah. With the exception, the so- uh, maybe the sole exception of Ian McDermott. I, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Who is giving a? Perf- that's the thing. <laughs> the new Star Wars movies are like a high-budget carnosaur. <laughs> okay? Yeah? The dialogue's no better. Oh, no. The effects are better, but no more convincing. No, that's true. I feel. Certainly not in the second one. I Weird, right? Yeah. I, I actually think that the effects in uh, Phantom Menace are better than the effects in a- Attack of the Clones. For what... Like, more convincing, I think. Yeah. And the third one, the third movie, you know, it's it's fine, whatever. But for the most part, like it's like who cares? Like I don't care. I don't care about these movies any more than I care about Carnosaur. Yeah. But right in the middle of them, you yep. get this this weird balls out performance. Yeah. Um. And that's and and that's the thing is, it could be a, it could be like a, a special effects artist. It could be a, an actor. It could be it could be a, a, the director himself. Who, as long as he's giving the crazy producer what he wants, mm-hmm. he's free to do whatever it is he can do. Yeah. Uh, there is a movie called bad city okay there is an it has another name the name which i don't recall uh driving mistakes (laughs) that's it yes they really it took a you know it depends on where it was released in the city uh in the country but um the uh i think it might have been called dirty but not the one with uh cuba gunning jr okay this had lance reddick of the wire and okay. uh, and a couple of other notable actors, but 
most notable, Austin Pendleton. Okay. Now, if you know who Austin Pendleton is, you mm-hmm. will know that, yes, he's basically Joe Lieberman. But, uh, <laughs> and he's the guy from, you know, the Muppet movie. And so he just, he's kind of a nerdy type. Sure. He plays a crime boss in Bad City. And the movie, it's it's run-of-the-mill, who gives a shit, like, it's totally mediocre, yeah. just like, hey, yeah, everybody's corrupt. I, I wrote a movie like that in high school. Um, but this crime boss and the brilliance of casting nerdy Austin Pendleton as the crime boss, and then what he does with the performance, it is worth, wa- it is worth wading through the this you know whatever forgettable movie for that performance because that will stick with you it's Mm -hmm. it's it's fascinating and so um and then the rest of the movie if you want you can make fun of it uh but i i i I worry that now we're getting a little now we're seeing like the diamonds in the rough there are movies that are just rough Uh, absolutely and but but according to you mr anderson Uh uh-huh see now i'm gonna i'm turning the light on you here. okay according to you mr anderson you can you can still get stuff from movies that are a hundred percent rough. Yeah, there's no diamonds to be found. You can also, I mean, especially if I mean if you are a filmmaker. I went to school wanting to be a filmmaker. I still, you know, write screenplays in my spare time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. One day, maybe. Um, you see how not to do things. Yeah, and that is invaluable. You know, mm-hmm. you. You can try to emulate films that are wonderful, but you have to make sure that you don't make the mistakes of other films that tried to emulate those same films. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of thing... Uh, we get accused by a friend of ours, um, Lincoln and I, for being too film school when we watch these movies. But you, uh, what, who, you know, like, that's how we choose to uh, you know, approach them. That's similar to uh, an episode that we did uh, of Battleship Pretension. It's an older episode now with friend of the show... Uh, Jason Eakin about the idea of overanalyzing movies. Mm-hmm. You know, being two film schools basically the same sure. accusation as uh, overanalyzing. Um, and yeah, and it's just like, well, first off, that's what I'm trained to do. Yeah, but also like, what does that even mean? Yeah, I- I'm holding I- it up I to ref- a certain standard. I mean, there are people who say you just go see a shitty movie and turn your brain off, and sometimes w- whatever. But that it defeats the purpose, I think, of watching something you know to be terrible if you're if you're going to completely just go yeah whatever because then you then you take the same enjoyment out of it as you do a good movie and that's yeah. that's not what i you know promote at all and let me ask you this let's say you're having a bad movie night with your friend sure let's say you pop in oh crossroads the britney spears film that's the one which uh, back in chicago david and myself and our uh, roommate Rented old Crossroads and watched that, and boy, oh boy! Now this is not this is not a genre film, mm-hmm. um, but it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, no doubt. and you I know, we made uh, our delightful smartass comments. And perhaps, like perhaps, if the film gives you nothing to engage with, perhaps you need to create it yourself. And yeah. like you know, worry you can work on your your quick wit, yeah, or something like that. That's kind of the like. I love Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely shaped me, and I think a lot of people of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does kind of... A lot of people think that they're as funny as them, and without realizing that for most of the run of that show, they wrote a lot and yes. got the timing perfectly and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing to actually riff, but it's another thing to think you're really funny doing this. Uh, right. I've, I've been in theaters when people have been doing stuff like Ugh. that, and it's like, shh. Or like at the... Uh, 
the uh, the cemetery screenings, that, which they have. I've never been to those. I, I've they gone sound to one. interesting, but they also sound possibly terrible. It's if you if you're sitting next to the right group of people, um, or amid a, a good group of people, it's it's great. Um, some people just take the piss out of the movie. I'm sure. Um, and it's like shh. I came here to sit amongst the graves and watch a movie projected on a mausoleum. Be respectful. <laughs> Admittedly, maybe it's hard to be respectful when we are all watching a movie in a graveyard. Sitting nigh but ten feet away from graves. That's creepy. It's not quite... You're not, you're not on graves, that's I know. for sure. Peter Graves, though. Rupert Graves. He's still alive, though. Yeah. Not for long, though. I don't know who Rupert Graves is. Oh, he's on Sherlock. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yes. Okay, got it. Um... So now real quick, I want to, um, actually real quick, I want to say a, a, a fun little, uh, one of my favorite quotes I was watching with Josh, I was watching an MST3K in which, um, it's mystery science theater 3000 for those of you not in the know, <laughs> the uninitiated, uh, and it was a movie I believe called star fighters or something like that. The star fighters, the yes. star fighters. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and it's basically just like an Air Force recruitment film. Mm-hmm. It is astounding how useless this movie is. So much so that, like, like even their comments couldn't quite make it salvageable. Like, after yeah. a while, it's like, man, this, like, deadens the soul. Yeah. But there is one little joke in there where, like, these pilots are, like, talking to these uh, women at a at the bar and that kind of thing. And the movie's showing that well, these are regular guys, see? Uh, and one of them talks about, like... Like, hey, I'm just an old farm boy. You know, I, my, my dad still uh, lives in a farm up in Wisconsin. And then I believe, uh, I believe Tom Server goes, the name's Gein. And <laughs> I did not see it coming. And Josh and I laughed for about five minutes oh, straight man. and missed any, any joke that would follow it. Yeah. Um, and man, like when those guys are on, like it is the best thing you've ever heard. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we should probably start to start wrapping up real quick. Um, so you've done a year's worth of episodes. Yes. All right. What are, and I know you don't have your whole catalog in front of you, right. but what are some of your favorite movies in a couple of different categories? Okay. One, a movie that you expected to be terrible, but turned out to actually be okay. Mm-hmm. E- even if it's just like, this is at least interesting. Yeah. Even if it's not traditionally good. That's one, that's one category. Or one that was so horrendously terrible that it will forever be branded upon your brain okay so uh unexpected uh, unexpectedly interesting go ahead um one that uh, i personally thought was going to be just a big pile of shit uh was humanoids from the deep okay which was the title's uh, not uh, not steering you wrong on that no. by the way um and uh, the the poster for it is uh, like a lady in a boat i think or maybe just swimming and two like lizard like eyes like superimposed over it yeah it's a drawing it's not like a photo um and this is uh they put a whole bunch of of uh corman or new world pictures on um netflix and so that we we ended up watching a lot of corman last year Mm -hmm. which is fine by me it got me to really like him but this was one of those and uh it's about uh mutated fish humans who come out of the water to kill human men and mate with human females oh so it's it's salacious for sure um but surprisingly like compelling weirdly um vic morrow's in it oh um pre- god, re- god rest his soul <laughs> indeed pre decapitation yeah um and uh 
uh, I don't think any really anybody else have noticed in it, but um, the the creature effects when it's just men in rubber suits right but the creature effects and gore effects were done by rob botine who later went on to do the howling and the thing right which are two fantastic effects films yeah he's pretty brilliant yeah and he was i think was only like 19 or 20 at the time when he did um humanoids from the deep and there's an ending sequence where the humanoids all come out of the water and uh decide to attack uh, a carnival with all the carnival and it is actually there's like a helicopter shot of like all the mayhem going on and it 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 all takes place in this like pacific northwestern town um near like a dock so they you know so they can all come out of the water um and it's just it's a it's a gorgeous sequence so i mean some of the rest of the movie isn't good um and there's definitely scenes that we read up were added just for um nudity and gore sake where it wasn't the actual director Corman was like you assistant director go shoot in and some of them are are pretty obvious but i was we both came away with that i mean we rate all our movies on a scale of good bad or ugly okay um tried to stick to that we, we were getting kind of like it's pretty good no we have to stick good better we we gave this one like a solid good we, we okay we thought you know for what it is it is quite enjoyable yeah and one that was just god awful sometimes we watch um sci-fi channel original films which are just all of them crap. Mm-hmm. Um, the f- uh, the very first film we ever did was called uh, Ticked Off Trannies with Knives, which starred uh, real tran- transgendered people. Oh, good. Uh, Authenticity. That's yeah. what it's all about with those movies. Yeah. And uh, they were pretty upset. Um, they were. They did not carry knives all that much, though. Mm. Um, but it's it's just it's it's a it's a dirty, gross kind of. Um, I mean. Yeah, it. it I, I left. Fe- I mean, this is not a good way to start, but left feeling. Ki- and this was not a Sci-Fi Channel original movie. I was just saying that, but, um, uh, yeah, it it is it is uh, surprisingly sexist, <laughs> even though it was it was directed by a guy, and he contacted us after our the director of this film and said that he. He liked our episode. He he got that we probably weren't the audience for this film, and I was like, clearly not. And he was like, well, my ne- when my next movie comes out, you should come and see it. And I was, you know, so that was great. Yeah, um, and surprising, and it kind of started us off on a good. But that I think still like we both rated that an ugly because it was a, an ugly film. It does seem exploitative, but not even in the way that that you and I've been talking about. Yeah. so far, like that's exploitative of like. That's like freak show exploited. It is. It is. And they're like, hey, look at these transgender weird, right? Yeah. And it's this weird kind of subgenre of films that I don't know that well because it's just kind of not my cup of tea, but like really camp, you know, camp films aimed at, um, you know, the LGBT crowd. Right. Which just isn't for, I mean, this was a, like a, like an, um, I don't even know, like an action movie. It's kind of like a women in prison movie type of tone, but with, um, transgendered strippers. Mm -hmm. That's your leads who get, you know, taken advantage of and have to fight back. So, but it was just like, there was things about it that I just wasn't, you know, not that I'm against a movie like that just on principle, but like there's things that about it that I was just like, this is kind of gross. Um, but then the fact that the guy (laughs) contacted us and was like, Hey, cause I, I think he, he, he knew what kind of movie he was making and that it wouldn't be for everybody. Uh, that reminds me of it. The internet is fascinating because of course, you know, a guy can, guy like that can find you. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this is like a year, year and a half ago, maybe even longer. I uh, had written an article for more than one lesson about deadliest warrior 
on Spike. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I had talked about how I was watching it with that stupid fifth grade mentality of like, hey, who, who do you think would win in a fight? A samurai or a pirate? You know, stuff like that. And it's just a whole movie, uh, a whole show built around that. Well, samurai, clearly. Uh, clearly. In that they are trained. <laughs> sure. Hey, you know what? Hey, who knows? Stay tuned. Although I think, I, I think they actually had a samurai fight a Viking and they had a, a pirate Ooh. fight a knight. So still go night, I think. You'd be wrong. <gasps> What's pirates? Pirates got firepower, my friend. Uh, you got me there. So, um, <laughs> so okay. So obviously, like and it, it be- does <laughs> braided beard power too. It, yes, I believe the guy. I I think the pirate they really wanted to make him look like Jack Sparrow, but anyway, because um, they have a, like a, a reenactment of something that never happened. <laughs> right. Um, an imagining, I guess. It's hard to say. We want him to look like Captain Kidd. What? Who's that? The Charles Lawton, Captain King. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, the the height of physical prowess. So um, so I'd written this thing talking about like, hey, this uh, this appealed to me for a while. And then I started to wonder. Then when they got around to, uh, what was it? I believe it was like Viet Cong versus like Nazi SS. Oh, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, this was, okay, look, Genghis Khan was one thing. Yeah. That was a while ago. Viet Cong recent. Yeah. And both of them have killed Americans. Yeah. Or, yeah. And just like, and then, and so they'll have like demonstrations of like the weapons. Yeah. And then just the hosts are just like high-fiving each other. And it's like, this Nazi flamethrower that you're watching melt a dummy was used to melt people. And this uh, and this bamboo spiked ball that you're watching swing down and stab a dummy stabbed people. And the and do, you, do you suppose that's where Lucas got the idea for Return of the Jedi? I think that's exactly it. The Ewoks are the Viet Cong. St- try reading that movie that way from now on. Isn't that a thing? I don't know. Didn't he? Because I believe, based on I, I was it was it Red Letter Media or was it somebody else? Somebody was commenting on on uh, Return of the Jedi. Hmm. Oh, that's right. Okay. It was Red Letter Media, which is a website that I love. Absolutely. And, I, and you like it it's as well. It's wonderful, yeah. Some of the most insightful film criticism you'll find online, though you won't expect it mm-hmm. uh, because it's in the guise of an elderly <laughs> serial killer. Um, and I believe he was talking about uh, some of the political... Uh, views of George Lucas when he was making Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and I think he went back and talked about uh, uh, Return of the Jedi and that uh, George Lucas actually said that the that the Ewoks were sort of like uh, like the Viet Cong or something like that that is an interesting I think he actually dance to take yeah it's a it's it's very strange but is he saying that Viet Cong are cute and cuddly or that the Ewoks are he's saying that the US is, evil. he's saying that the US is the Empire oh yeah well good for us was he talking with James Cameron yeah, probably. I think they're buddies. Yeah. Uh, actually, I could see them not getting along and being very competitive, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's actually there. It's, it's, it's actually pretty far over there. Yeah. Um, certainly isn't here. I'll tell you that. Nope. But uh, In the now. So when I saw that episode, I was like, you know, I think maybe this isn't good. So I watched a few more episodes that are kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote my article saying like, hey, this is really terrible, but I think first things first, I need to stop watching it. <laughs> 
Like, I need to go against my instinct to watch this. So, eventually, I brought it back to me and said that the fault lies with me for wanting to watch it. Uh, So, I posted it on Twitter, and uh, one of the hosts, whom I had called a frat boy uh, in the article, uh, responded with, Hey, I read your article. Very interesting. Very insightful. Don't worry. Next season will be better. I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, next season, they had an episode about uh, vampires versus zombies. So... Well, here's the thing with that um, topic, I guess that approach you can only do about twelve episodes. They uh, found a bunch. They found Paul Pot versus Saddam Hussein, neither of which I would venture to say were warriors. No, mass murderers is another sure. way of putting it. War mongers. Yeah, there you go. Warlords. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so I <laughs> Lord of Wars, l- Lords of War, one could say. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's that's uh, just a, a tangent, and that was a show that was totally exploitative, but I did sort of enjoy it in the same way that one could enjoy uh, these other things, but because I started to find it uh, com- kind of immoral, yeah, and I, mean, I, I moved on. That is always something that you have to, you're going you're gonna to find. Some of these movies, if you're just looking for a weird movie. Yeah. I, I, I tend to look in the 70s and early 80s, because those are... Th- the the style and stuff that i i just like the mm-hmm. most some 60s late 60s through early 80s mostly um but you're going to find some movies that just make you feel grody and yeah. and and if if you're going to embark on one of these journeys um you know you're going to you have you have to take the bad you take the bad you take them both i said bad twice on purpose right right uh, but there you have the facts of life the facts of life uh do you know the second verse? No, no. There's a time you got to grow and show you've grown and now you know about the facts of life. I don't think I said it right. Time you have to go and show. Oh, okay. You've grown and now you know about the facts of life. <laughs> that's the what? facts of life. Yeah, got it. What's, uh, that's a lot to know. Why do you know that? Uh, I have a strange memory for TV theme songs. Fair enough. I keep meaning to do a video of myself delivering the theme song for perfect strangers as a dramatic monologue like, <laughs> like i was gonna work in like crying and stuff Ooh, interesting and, like, yeah i was I, I got it all worked out but i, I haven't done it yet but uh, standing tall well i don't go i don't go full heston with it. I, I try to <laughs> never go the full heston <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> um but uh, now real quick is there because we've talked about movies that you saw that were actually turned out pretty good yep. and then movies that you saw that were abs- just horrendous yep now w- what are some movies that you think are just this perfect like troll two kind of thing where it certainly isn't good yep but it's not it's not draw droppingly bad because there are some movies that are so terrible that you 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 have nothing to say you yeah. it's just you just sit there in silence examining your life choices uh so that I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about ones that are just, they're bad. There's nothing really redeeming about them. Mm-hmm. Not even a 10% thing. Uh, but you still enjoyed watching them in the bad movie kind of way. Well, the, the aforementioned Star Crash, which, okay. which I own. <laughs> That's how much I enjoy that movie. Okay. I own it. Um, uh, so there's just, there's nothing good about them. Nothing good. Everything fails, but I still enjoy watching it. Hmm. Because I feel like uh, Humanoids from the Deep, having not seen it myself, but now I'm kind of curious, yeah. it feels as though you know, you start watching that with your friends and making fun of it, yeah. rightfully so, but then by the end, none of you are talking because suddenly it's like, huh, this is actually a little, uh, little scary, yeah. a little disturbing. 
You know what I mean? Like, it, it sort of wins its way to, it wins your heart. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting, this is a, sort of a tangent. Okay. I, w- when I was in school, I took a, a rock and roll film class. Interesting. Um, uh, and we watched, you know, uh, Don't Look Back and, you mm-hmm. know, Hard Day's Night and all that stuff. And toward the end of the semester, we watched more modern stuff. And one of them was Spice World. Okay. The Spice Girls film. And so I went in because it was uh, Tuesday nights would be the screening. The teacher wouldn't be there, the professor. Um, and then on Thursday, he'd come in when we'd have class. Uh, and so I went in and I was just like, I am going to just tear the crap out of this movie and and riff on it. And then about five minutes in, I just had to stop. Mm-hmm. And not because I was in, entertained. None of us were entertained. But it was a movie, a movie that I, a kind of movie that I hate, which is that... Uh, it is laughing at you for watching it. Oh, that's awful. I oh, hate that kind yes. of thing. Because only Michael Haneke does that right. Yeah, but he's going, he's like nodding, like knowingly, like, right. Oh, you uh, shouldn't watch this. You're movie. so human. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of, that's to get on a soapbox for a moment. That's the kind of bad movie that I, I, I just hate. It's when it's like um, those guys who make the like, you know, epic movie or date movie or Ugh. those guys. I hate them <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> because um, they're they're try they're setting out to make a horrible movie because mm-hmm. they know there's an audience for it, and yeah. that's the kind of stuff. I guess you can't fault them for wanting to make a buck, but it's it's just like why did you do what? It, what is the point? You went to school. You have a budget. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of thing that I'm just like. Why do you? Uh, what do you? What is your take on uh, like snakes on a plane? Because that's a film that clearly was meant to right. push certain buttons, and it was meant to be a cult film. Yeah. When in fact, the very nature of a cult film is something that tr- wants to be successful, isn't. But then it finds an audience later. That's a movie. I saw it once in the theaters with some friends, and we laughed. Okay, but I've never wanted to revisit it because I think knowing what it is completely like drains it of it's not one of those like troll two where i could be like guys you got to watch this like it's just it's insane this one is it's it is just you know it's pointing its finger at you being like you know what this is we know what this is yeah and i think if if not for sam jackson being in it i there's no one would have saw it and i think that's the point like he he's the one who was like no it has to be called snakes on a plane yeah because it's ridiculous and i have to say the the line that everyone expects me to say. Okay. So it became a joke before it was even made. Yeah. Um it's it's awful. It's not a good movie at all. And it does sort yeah, it does sort of uh, uh another peek into the mind of Tyler Smith. Uh I am a big fan of self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. I learned it in high school and uh, uh middle school. Elementary school. Here's uh, here's, what, here's yeah. Uh I hate myself. Um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, um no, it's uh, it is a defense mechanism. Yeah, it is this idea of like of like if I make if I make fun of myself first and better than anybody else, yeah. what are they going to say? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's uh, not unlike at the end of Eight Mile, where he uh, raps about his own flaws better than the other guy could have, and the other guy just drops the mic and leaves. Spoilers for Eight Mile. It's a very good movie. I, I like it quite a bit. But um, did but you yeah, lose yourself perhaps in the in the music? The yeah, I moment? think so. I owned it. Did you ever let it go? Just now. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I witnessed that, everyone. But, uh, and so, so it is sort of that, but in the same way, yeah, like, if a movie is like, 
look how silly we are. Wouldn't it be? It's like this is that kind of we're the kind of movie where like uh, Taylor Kitsch of John Carter would uh, you know get bitten on the penis by a snake. We're that kind of movie, isn't it funny? And you're like, well, now no, not if you're laughing at it. Yeah, that's like the difference between New World, which is Corman's company, and The Asylum. Oh yeah, which uh, their movies are. 20 times worse than anything Corman ever did. Because Corman is a filmmaker. He's trying to make a movie Mm -hmm. that finds an audience. He understands the limitations that he's imposed upon them. Right. Um, The Asylum is just like the Turner. Like they don't foster any talent. It's just like, all right, we'll pay you to make this movie. You don't want to work for us anymore? Okay, bye. Like, that. there's no, none of that. And and they do things where, like, they'll put out a movie that's similar to a movie that's going to come out in theaters. Like, a week before the, that film comes out, they'll release theirs on video so that people go, hey, this uh, is this movie. War of the Worlds. Ugh. Stuff like that. Or uh, um, they made a Cloverfield clone, the name of which escapes me right now. But it's it's like a city with a tentacle. Like, it's yeah. just like, come on. And because it's and I feel bad for people who get duped by this specifically like moms. Moms are going to get duped by this. Yeah. Their kid is homesick. Their kid wants to see War of the Worlds. And and the mom's like, I'll go. I'll go, uh, you know, get my kid his comic books <laughs> and his War of the Worlds movie. Here you go, son. And he picks up. Bu- she picks up Bugs Bunny comics. <laughs> When he clearly wanted Batman. Absolutely. And War of the Worlds starring C. Thomas Howell instead of the one starring Tom Cruise. Yeah, C. Thomas Howell shows up in a lot of them. He directs a lot of them now, too. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Eh, good for him. Good for him. He's but not a, he's you'll, not a find, uh, you'll find your C. Thomas Howells, your Mark Discoscus, your, your, uh, your uh, I don't Antonio think I know who that Sabato is. Jr. Uh, I know who that is. There's a John Carter movie called The Princess of Mars, I want to say, that oh, came my. out. Why try to capitalize on that movie is my question. Uh, but, they didn't know. They didn't know it was going to be what it was. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Antonio Sabato Jr. is John Carter. Of and uh, Tracy Lords, the former porn star, is the Princess of Mars. Yeah, and that's the thing is like they'll incorporate like they'll go with like a like a uh, like a Debbie Harry or something sure. like that. Uh, like just these older or a Debbie Gibson or a Debbie Gibson. Yes. Yep. Uh and incorporate them into, or like a Lorenzo Lamas, like people who oh, have yeah. a certain following, and they'll incorporate it and be like, "Look, look who we got! Yeah. Weird, right?" And it just, and it just ruins the fun. Yeah. No, thank you. Give me, yeah. sin- give me misplaced sincerity every time. Yeah. Like, try. That's yeah. what I have to say to filmmakers. Try. If your movie yeah. sucks, I'll still watch it most of the time. <laughs> and that is the thing about you mentioned Corman. Like, he recognizes what it is he's making, sure. but he also knows that he does have an audience. Sure. He produced sharktopus i didn't know a film that. i've never seen but he at corman's company produced i think he even specifically produced it damn you sharktopus there were little buttons that said damn you sharktopus <laughs> that's <laughs> gotta I be kinda, in, the, in the movie i just i which i hope yeah. i like the idea of somebody yeah. wave shaking their fist of course they have to right yeah and say damn you sharktopus you you know killed my wife or something i think he's done a few of those like super croc versus giant gator or something okay. stupid like that i, I it, that might not be him though okay. maybe he made let, let's speculate for a moment i think he maybe made sharktopus as a like look what i can do to all those people like this versus this okay let's uh, let's pretend I prefer that to give him that yeah. all right anyway as you were saying i want to believe that he's better than that but but yeah but too. like these these i feel like these other movies like it's a little and i recognize that it sounds like maybe we're just kind of like filleting roger corman a little bit because he's like an established guy and maybe sure he's, maybe in a way he's like no different than some of these other people but i feel like there's n- i feel like there's a genuine love for what 
he's yeah. doing. Whereas I think there's a certain cynicism from people that make just yeah. like, hey, we know these are bad. You know, you can laugh at them if you want. Yeah. Well, Corman will do commentaries for these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shout Factory, which is a, is a company that I love. Yeah. Um, they put out a lot of, uh, they have like a line of Corman collection movies and he does the commentary on a bunch of them or at least is interviewed and stuff like that so he'll he stands by these movies um which i th- you know it'd be impossible for like uh rudy and west to do the roger corman canon because he's oh. d- i think produced over 300 films and uh and directed not that many but you know uh, uh, uh quite a lot he's a fascinating figure he's didn't, absolutely didn't he get a lifetime achievement oscar i think he did i think he did yes good for him he's going to be uh um honored at the 3d film awards i want to say this weekend huh not awards sorry the 3d film fest here in los angeles oh okay hosted by thomas jane thomas jane the punisher himself Mm -hmm. no not that one no not that one thomas jane the one right in the middle right there um all right uh real quick i did want to say uh there's a movie that i just remembered Mm -hmm. that i i Threw in with uh, some back in Missouri. I threw in uh, a VHS copy of this with some friends of mine, expecting it to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Then it turned out to be kind of okay. Q, the winged the winged serpent. serpent. Yeah, Larry Cohen is. Yeah, he's a he's a master of this type of stuff. Michael watched... Moriarty's in it. He's uh, delivering yeah. a really fun performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my uh, my friend Matt, who, who I used to work with at a, a, a bookstore, which will go unnamed, mm-hmm. uh, worked on Q, the winged serpent, and a bunch of uh, Larry Cohen films. Yeah. So he had all these stories about Larry Cohen. But yeah, that movie's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, it's the, not great, but it's 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 certainly better than I thought it was going to be. Who, uh, David Carradine's the cop in that, right? I think so. Yes, it's there is since I've there seen is it. a scene which was emblazoned in my mind. It has nothing to do with the, the monster at all. It is it is Michael Moriarty being ridiculous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think he made up a bunch of his dialogue. Where uh, um, he, I think David Carradine says something like, you know, stick it up your ass or something, something stupid like that, and then. Uh, Michael Moriarty goes, well, yeah, why don't you stick it in your in your brain, your tiny little brain? <laughs> and that's the exact way he says it. <laughs> stick it in your brain? What does that mean? Well, if your brain is as tiny and, and little as he thinks it is, yeah. it's going to hurt one way or the other. Yeah, Michael Moriarty's, he's a weird actor in he's general. He's a weird actor, yeah. But, uh... But yeah, that's and that's a weird manic, strange yeah. performance. Oh, but, I just thought of one okay. s- similar thing. Chud, we we did on the on the podcast. You like Chud? I did like Chud. Interesting. Chud okay. two, don't see Chud two. Okay, fair enough. Bud the Chud is the colon. That's right. Yes, it's Bud awful. the Chud. But uh, Chud has uh, uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern in it. Oh, and it's a Home Alone reunion. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I guess Home Alone was a Chud reunion. Yeah, let's perpetuate that. <laughs> Home Alone was a Chud reunion. <laughs> I'm gonna let's emblaze that. Chris Columbus was just like, I gotta make this happen. How do I do it? Gotta love Chud. (laughs) Well, uh, what's his face? Richard uh, Kelly. He's the guy who did Donnie Darko, right? Yes. Uh, He's completely irrelevant now, which is why I forgot his name. Um, (laughs) uh, He wanted to put Chud in Donnie Darko, but couldn't get the rights to Chud, but could get the rights to Evil Dead. Hmm. That seems strange, right? Eh, Probably some corporate problem. Has to be. But uh, okay. So hopefully you, uh, you guys enjoyed uh, our discussion yeah. of uh, bad movies and watching bad movies. Yeah. And uh, as always, we uh, flitted around the topic without coming to any uh, major conclusion. That nope. Aside from, uh, eh, go ahead. <laughs> um, and uh, if you're interested in that, please listen to my podcast. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we put, I believe every Tuesday, I try to do it every Tuesday. Sometimes I forget. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kyle. That's okay. Um, 
Yeah, uh, every Tuesday. Did you do there, it today? I did do it today. Hey, thanks. There is a link to the latest episode of What the Fuck Are You Watching? Uh, the, the most recent one is called Kill Speed. Mm-hmm. And what's that about? That is about um, uh, guys who uh, traffic meth in okay. large quantities. They do not make it. They do not sell it. They just traffic it. And okay. uh, these three young guys who traffic it in small, very fast planes. Oh, okay. In the deserts of California. Uh, and uh, and it is awful. It, but it stars uh, Andrew Keegan, who is like a child actor. Yeah. Um. Uh, a, a girl who used to be on Saved by the Bell, new, the new class. Oh, good. I don't know her name. Uh, Greg Grunberg from like oh. Alias and Heroes. I feel bad. Yeah. Robert Patrick plays the president of the United States. As he should. And uh, Tom Arnold is in it, playing a meth uh, uh, cooker, not unlike... Uh, you know, all you got to do is listen to his episode of Never Not Funny, mm-hmm. and any choice he makes makes sense. Oh, yes. Because he just, he just strikes me as a type. It's like he'll work as much as he needs to. Yep. Just anything to stay out of that meatpacking plant. <laughs> <laughs> um. He will, yeah. And it was it, this movie was uh, written and directed by a guy named Kim Bass, okay. who created both uh, Sister Sister and Keenan and Kel. Huh. That's weird. Very. It's very weird. And uh, the dialogue is terrible. Yeah. But they have actual airplane stunts, which are pretty impressive. Which That's is, neat. So it's a strange, strange movie. Now, I believe uh, former Backstreet Boy Nick Carter that is, is absolutely also right. right. I forgot about him because uh, he is... Well, uh, every movie, if it applies, uh, we award one of the actors in the film the title of the worst. Okay. Meaning that he is the one who, of all the bad actors in this movie, is... The one that brings it down the most. I could say And that. Nick Carter wins. Yeah. Because uh, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah he thought he was going to be the next Justin Timberlake. And Kill Speed was going to be the next social network. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, and it wound up being just the next Delta Force. Mm. So, uh, okay. Delta Force 2. So you can go to... We, you can, we link to sure. uh, your website through yep. battleshippretension.com. Probably easiest but, to just uh, do that. But yeah, so you can, you can find his podcast. Uh, you post yours every Monday, but then it, it gets posted on the BP website every Tuesday. Yeah, so if you, if you subscribe via the iTunes or the RSS feeds, it'll go in Monday. Otherwise, uh, it'll be on BP on Tuesdays. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and then you are also on Twitter. I am on Twitter. My uh, my handle is uh, functional nerd at functional nerd because by the time I joined Twitter, all permutations of Kyle Anderson were taken. Okay, fair enough. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, and then uh, let's see. So you also and you also write for the Nerdist. You write about Doctor Who. I do. I I write. Uh, we're coming down on the last two episodes of this part of the season. So okay. go to Nerdist every Monday or Sunday. It's actually been this year. Uh, and find my reviews of that. And I write for uh, a website called Modern Primate, writing about whatever, mostly. Okay. Generally movie-related stuff, because that's my niche. But right. um, I often have uh, fictional conversations with my eight-year-old self. Oh, that's nice. I've read a couple of those. They're delightful. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, All right. And then, as far as uh, Battleship Pretension, I'm going to give this a shot. David usually does it. I will probably, it'll probably be clunky like it is already. <laughs> okay. So you can go to BattleshipPretension.com for uh, new reviews of theatrical and dvd and blu-ray releases uh you can email us david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com you can follow us uh on twitter uh at the pretension that is david's twitter you can follow me on twitter at more lessons which is the official twitter 
of my other podcast, MoreThanOneLesson.com. Uh, the most recent episode is about, uh, we, we go off format a little bit, and uh, we talk about Fred Zinneman's uh, A Man for All Seasons. So if you've seen that, you should, you should listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, well, you're probably like most people, and uh, boy, this podcast was ill-advised. So, um, <laughs> and then uh, you can hear David's, uh, David's podcast. It's a TV podcast called Previously On. That's a Previously On show, S-H-O, I believe, dot... Com mm-hmm. or or an iTunes, or you can just find it on iTunes. That's yeah. what I do. Yep, absolutely. Once you subscribe to it, you don't need to go looking for it. Yeah, it'll find you. It comes to you. It sure does. It's like the Netflix of podcasts. <laughs> Be afraid. What? So, uh, and I think that's about it. Yes. All right. If I miss something, I'm sorry. David usually does this, uh, but can, yeah. Can I say the the thing? What's that? The last thing before you say the, your last thing. Okay, uh, well, I was going to say, Kyle, thanks for being oh, here. Oh, of course. Thank you so much, Tyler. You're always welcome to come back on. Thank you. So, uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 